Thank you for listening to the Regenerative Mystic Podcast, a podcast about imagining and crafting a more whole world. In these episodes, we'll be sharing conversations with people we believe have beautiful perspectives, asking questions like how do we design futures of wholeness? What does that look like, taste like, feel like? What does it look like in our work, our creative processes, and in our relationships with ourselves and each other, and with the mystery and the myth? How can we craft a vision of the future that can hold all of us? How can we allow wholeness to be centered in our human evolution and global creative processes? We hope these episodes support you in your own inquiry into these questions. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Regenerative Mystic Podcast. My name is Daje and I'm your host. And I'm so excited to bring you another episode with my guest, Megan February. I'm so excited about this episode and sharing it with you because it's about one of my favorite topics on the earth, and that is the power of storytelling. In this episode, we talk about the power of story as world-building work. And arguably, I would say that story is the most powerful substance that we have on the face of the planet for rebuilding our world, for rebuilding our context, for rebuilding ourselves from the inside out. Everything is fabriced in story from, you know, everything that we hear about other sides of the world come to us through story. Everything that motivates us to moving into the future comes to us through the stories that we feel in our bodies, in our bones. And Megan's work is all about this. I would say that Megan has been one of the kind of founding motivators for me in my work back in 2016 when I stumbled across her platform for women who wore back in some of those earlier days of Instagram. Instagram when we still had the old filters going on. And she was platforming the voices of all these women who had really important stories to tell and were finding the courage to get them out of their bodies and into the world. And through that activity of sharing and expressing these hard stories, these trauma-ridden tales that were living inside of them, they found liberation. During this time of my life, I was also finding liberation through my own work in writing. At the time, I was going through a divorce. I was navigating, healing a bunch of sexual trauma and, and religious trauma and deconstructing my faith. And I was also working on my first collection of poetry that I got to later publish in 20. 17 called On Becoming Gold. And listening to Megan's podcast and this platform was so inspiring for me at the time to um, be open, to be brave, to, to share my stories in safe places so that I could have the courage to share them with others who would be so encouraged and so inspired and liberated to hear how I got free. And I would even say that all of that work, all of that creativity that flowed out of that time is what has built the blocks of what we have today. Brave school, kin spirit, those initial moments of sharing my story with was radical vulnerability gave me the courage to think about my role, my place, my essence in the world and how I was expressing that and how I was, how I get to impact culture through the very small things like writing a poem or taking a photograph or being a little bit more brave with the way that I share. 
absolute all thanks to Megan. Not that she was the only person, but she was definitely a huge voice in my life at that time that inspired this work. About Megan, Megan February is an author, a trauma-informed writing coach, founder of the storytelling platform for women who roar, featuring women's voices from all around the world. She has published thousands of works of women, helped hundreds write their own books and heal their story through that writing process. And she is currently working on her second book. So in this podcast, Megan talks about that process of getting to support all of these women around the world and what that looks like. She She's so fun to watch, get so lit up about like the work of trauma healing through writing. Um, if you are a writer, if you're someone who has thought about writing or has thought about approaching your trauma through creative process, through poetry, through writing, you're someone who wants to get brave about leaning into what could be be your purpose, what could be your role on the earth, listen to this episode. You will be delighted. You will be inspired by some of the stories that Megan has to share. I hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on the Regenerative Mystic Podcast, Megan. It's good to see you. It's good to see you too. I'm so excited to spend time with you. Yes. And it's good to meet you. I feel like I've been following you for a solid six years on the in, on the Instagrams. <laughs> Back when you were doing For Women Who Roar, which you're still doing. And then I remember when you made this transition into your book year, and mm-hmm. that was really exciting. And I thought that was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I love for you to drop us in on, you know, some core things like where you're located, and to sort of introduce us to yourself for a moment. I love that. And it's wild that you say you've been in this kind of social relationship with me for (laughs) six years. That is so strange that it's even been going on that long time. Wow. Oh, yeah. I am. That's so fun. And I I'm so excited we're finally spending time together. I've always felt a kindredness with your, your words and, and everything. So this will be really sweet. I This question is always so funny to me. Um, how to begin talking about yourself. But mm-hmm. I like telling people I'm, I'm from Louisiana because I feel like it's really foundational to who I am. I am a Southern girl at heart, even though I've lived out in the Pacific Northwest for over a decade. I just love my Southern roots. <laughs> so much. Yes. Tennessee oh. girl here. Oh yeah. There you yes. go. Yes. Yeah. Family in Mississippi, Tennessee. Oh, yeah. See, same. Arkansas. Yeah, Arkansas. Yep. Same. I got mm-hmm. a lot of Indiana, Arkansas, Mississippi, North Carolina, all over. Um, mm-hmm. I just, so I always have to tell people that because so much of my Southern culture, my spiritual journey, all that stuff is so woven into my writing and my work because it's just part of who I am and part of my becoming. So, um, but I, but I have lived out in the Pacific Northwest for a long time. I love trees. I have learned to love the overcast. (laughs) Um, took a long time, but I live out here with my husband and uh, my puppy baby, um, Ida May. And, um, I, am a writer, a creative at heart that I'm learning to really announce that first um, because it's so important for me to really own it and continue to lean in there. 
But I also uh, love holding space for storytellers that are writing for the first time, that are putting their words out there with all the bravery they can muster. And for folks that want to write a book, which I find is a lot of people (laughs) because, you know, so many of us have, that's been like a tucked away dream to, to write a full complete work. And I think that for, I think that for a number of reasons, one is I think there's something about that journey of writing all the way through that makes us feel mm, like we have our, I don't like the word arrived, but have completed something that was really creatively calling us. And the finished work of a book specifically shows us that we we can be there with that completeness and that cycle. That feels really, really important. Um, and also it's just incredibly healing <laughs> and disruptive to write a book um, because it brings up all the things that we have avoided about our creative path, resistance, perfectionism, um, self-doubt, imposter syndrome, all the things that show up in the process. And so I love it. I absolutely love it. So I'm always creating new workshops for people um, to help them really dive into their creative writing journey. And then obviously working with folks one-on-one to help them uncover that story, you know, that they're meant to tell, whether it's fiction or nonfiction or memoir, whatever. Um, we've worked with folks from all over and doing different types of genres. So it's it's been a um, really beautiful ride. I'm still on it. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> that is so beautiful. Yeah. I'm one of those people who definitely wants to write books. And I have like four outlines sitting in my notion dashboard right now and like really want to write another poetry collection. So you're tapped into people have things to say, things to share. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, and there's a so like not uncommon to have so many like outlines and works just sitting there. I have like a journal just filled with book ideas and it's probably like 50 like there's so many ways we can go and so this idea that there's this creative lack is so funny to me because I'm just like no it is so there it's just the willingness to show up and listen and create the space for it is the real challenge um Mm -hmm. and that's true challenge is really real like I admit it firsthand um Mm -hmm. I can research a book outline a book all day long but then actually writing it is a whole nother. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. This reminds me of Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes' work. That oh, It's like that. the Bible, women mm-hmm. who run with the wolves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the mm-hmm. Bible of feminine, sacred initiation, wild woman text. In chapter 10, she talks about how creativity rises and rolls out of us. Mm-hmm. And that you know, it's kind of like this sort of enduring current that's inside of us. And when we don't, when we can't access it, it's because it's clogged and because, and it's clogged with like certain things that maybe we've put there or life has put there. And it's sort of our work to get back to the current, get back to the river and tap into and access that unending current that's inside of us. And this sort of makes me think about how you preface, you know, your work as a writing coach with trauma informed. And I'm curious if you might want to talk a little bit more about what that means for you. 
Yeah, it's so funny you asked that because as you started talking about her work, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, that reminds me so much of the trauma-informed approach when I'm guiding people through their book writing journey and the process. And one of the things that comes up a lot is this reminder of creative consent as we're writing. And when folks are working on a project, they're like, no, I've got to push through. I've got to force it. Right. And how does that sound? I mean, whoa, I feel triggered um, (laughs) just saying those words. And so a lot of times when the person neglects the flow and the, the ability to ride the wave, and instead is fighting that current with the, I should be doing this, or it should be written like this, or this is the way it needs to go. All these things, it can feel a lot like just forceful direction. So much of the work, then it's ongoing, is encouraging writers to practice consent within their own book writing process of how do I feel how do I feel right now in this writing? Where is it taking me? Am I choosing this now? Do I have agency in and power <laughs> in the choice that I'm making right now with where the story is going? Or am I working from a place where I feel like it should be going based off something, right? So really leaning into that flow rather than force and coming back to really core categories of trauma-informed work, but within our creative projects is key. And there's a number of categories, like the whole thing, but specifically things like, as I mentioned, agency, you know, choosing for yourself, safety, safety in your writing. Is it safe to write about? Is it safe to share for me? How do I feel honestly about that? Um, And I always ask folks that, like, if somebody is feeling unsafe, a lot of the reasons they stop writing is because of that. They freeze up. And I say, well, can we take time to pause and reflect on what's going on here? And how can you pull back and create a new kind of window of tolerance for yourself within that space of, of trauma care in your writing? And it's interesting to me that that's so neglected in our creative work, and yet we'll bring it into so many other areas of our life but yet why not here? I think it's one of the biggest reasons for blocks, right? So yeah, that agency, that safety, that empowering of your own voice, the community, but a safe community in which you are not working through it in isolation, but with a witness is really key. Judith Herman, she wrote Trauma and Recovery. It's an incredible book. And she said that she thoroughly believes that healing can't happen in isolation, but in community. And I think that is really key within our creative work as well. But it has to be a community and folks that you feel safe um, with and sharing your kind of work in progress as you're writing. So yeah, it's a it's a beautiful thing. But I think it is so essential that uh, trauma care is integrated into our writing process. And the fact that it's a new conversation, I've been having it a lot with people lately, is um, makes me sad that it's a new thought, but also hopeful that we are arriving at a place to, to really um, see that for ourselves and, and what this writing process will be. I think it will really give people permission to move at a pace that feels good with their writing and, um, and heal along the way, uh, no matter what it is that they're producing. 
Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love this term window of tolerance and sort of expanding our internal capacity to hold new stories. Mm-hmm. And what's so interesting about that to me is like what it invites us to do is imagine. It invites us to imagine a circumstance where we can greet a certain aspect of our stories, you know, whether we're writing fiction or we're writing nonfiction, whether we're writing poetry or biography, we can greet these stories mm-hmm. um, with sweetness. We mm-hmm. can greet these stories with openness. We can greet these stories knowing that our physical bodies, when telling the stories, transmitting the stories, are cared for, to, cared for and protected, even though if we're recalling those moments or restoring into certain moments, we're sort of like lifting the veil on like what is going on underneath the surface. Mm. And I just think that that is so such like sorcery and such a powerful work to learn how to step into the true power of being a storyteller, which is that we have this powerful opportunity. How many times can I say the word powerful? Let's count. Um, <laughs> we, have, <laughs> we have this powerful opportunity to take a tale whether it's already happened, it's going to happen in the future, it's fictional, so it will never happen in like real life circumstances, or it's happening in the subtle, so maybe poetry, we have an opportunity to take that tale and shape it and mm-hmm. make sense of it and rewire it and mm-hmm. configure it and to almost like make it, like take its essence and make it a digestible form, mm-hmm. not only for ourselves, but for others. And that's Mm -hmm. magical work. And so even the work of trauma-informed writing and trauma-informed guidance into story is, I believe, the work of wonder. It's the work Mm -hmm. of of magic, of the work of learning how to touch our divine power with agency and sovereignty, especially in a world that wants to write our stories for us. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just think about like growing up in school, I was, you know, I was homeschooled after fifth grade, but and even that was that had his own situations. But, you know, we grow up in elementary school, middle school, through these primary grades. And we are asked to sort of conform to mm-hmm. corporate structures that are not innate in the physical body and form. They are, they are not innate to our true, like, you know, way of being in the world. Mm. And I'm curious if you can speak to that a little bit more too, because I know that you um, weave human design into your work and how do you, what, what kinds of liberation and freedom do you notice show up for clients when Mm. you tell them, Hey, you know, no wonder why this was hard for you. You're not even wired to show up in this way. Oh my gosh. Right. So what happens to clients when you share that with them? They breathe better. <laughs> they start to breathe better. They, um, I mean, I feel like we've used this word power and permission, right? <laughs> These words keep coming up, but it's true. Like that is basically what happens. I see, that's why I came to human design and why I fell in love with it. And especially in tandem with the, the writing process, because it shows people that they don't have to fit a mold that was prescribed to them. 
by how they grew up or conditioning or the environments or whatever, they're, it allows them to consider what feels deeply resonant and true for them. And so I'll give an example. When I first got into human design and discovered, you know, I'm a manifesting generator, right? And I was actually writing about this this morning in my morning pages because I was working through some um, negative beliefs that were kind of coming up of, I was hearing voices like, why can't you commit to anything or, you know, be serious or get it together with all these things. And I was like, whoa, trying to follow these voices back. And it made me think about you know, my Mimo and my, <laughs> my parents and some of my family just being like, why do you do so many things? Like, why can't you just commit to one thing, you know? And I really fought against that and felt so much shame. I still feel it sometimes, right? And I try to release it a lot, but being able to have language around my makeup as a manifesting generator, which is really an express builder, right? It's a generator. They just do things really fast. <laughs> they skip a lot of steps. And um, I, uh, I, I, it really liberated me to go, okay. And so then when I started exploring that within my own writing and con- considering that with my channels and my, you know, my profile and all the parts, right? I was like, what is my writing inviting me to? What is it saying about my routine? about what I would write, like potentially, um, what it would make me feel most alive. And it really revealed so much to me about that process. Um, I'll give an example there. Like for instance, I have um, the five, uh, five gate, right? Which is all about ritual. It's all about rhythm. So when I saw that, I was very surprised because I was like, is that me? And then when I got to thinking about it, I was like, no, in actuality, I always have the same place I love to go when I'm writing. I need my my alone time with it. That's where I have my awakenings. Um, I do well with knowing when things are going to be happening. It's very, that stability is really important for me. So it, it's been really powerful. And then uh, when I started unraveling that for myself, in seeing the permission it gave me, I considered, okay, I should bring this in with my clients um, if they choose, if they want to. I don't, you know, force it if they don't want to have that. It's no big deal. But um, if they do want to have an understanding about their writing personality based on their human sign, it's really beautiful because then we construct their book writing routine based off their human design and their environment, right? And considering, okay, <laughs> what is your environment saying uh, about your writing space? You know, if you have a, you know, um, left facing arrow in your environment <laughs> and, you know, five gate or 15 gate, all these things that, that say, you know, maybe have some ritual and rhythm here, then, then maybe you need to create some structure that's going to feel really supportable for you. But if it's all right facing, if you're very, very much open in that way, maybe less structure, less outline, more flowing in that, in that, in that way that your design is inviting you to. And so much of it's play. Like you gotta kind of play with it and see what works, right? But it's been really powerful to see how it liberates people and also how they have been taking on personalities that don't belong to them in their writing, you know? 
Oh, yeah. So, so everything that you just said, you know, this is also like part of what I'm doing in my own work is weaving in human design and parts work because human design really kind of is a map of many of our archetypes, our parts that show up shadow and not shadow, highest expression and, and the city, you know, if you want to weave in the gene keys too, that stuff really can support us in recognizing, okay, I'm feeling resistance to sitting down and doing this work. Let me, instead of jumping straight to shame and doubt, self-doubt and misbelief in my own gifts and my own vision, let me tune in and ask this part, what do you need? What's mm-hmm. going on? Mm-hmm. Which part Which part is showing up right now? What's your name? Mm-hmm. Right? And so we can begin to name this part. Oh, is this, you know, my, my Jupiter in, you know, the, the 49th gate in my solar plexus showing up? Or is it, you know, is it, is it like, is there too much structure? Am I in the wrong environment, right? Do I need a cave when I'm trying to be in the markets? Like maybe I'm trying to like, you know, do my work at a coffee shop, but it's so like anti what my actual physical body and being needs to feel safe. I need to be in a cave all the windows closed, lights low. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like I need uh-huh. to be insulated in order for my creative juices to flow. And then we can sort of begin to shed these stories, like you were saying, that don't yeah. belong to us. You know, mm-hmm. maybe like, especially if like, I did a little video meme joke about this because you got to laugh sometimes. We take ourselves so seriously on the internet. <laughs> sometimes I like to shake my ass a little and laugh a little bit um, <laughs> at how just like, you know, absurd life is. And mm-hmm. as an open G center, like it's very easy to just sort of take in the world. And then I have to do that work of sort of sifting, sifting through and being like, what is actually me? And what is sort of my open G center? Like, literally velcroing the entire earth's experience. Do I even like these things, these spices, these clothes, you know, that I'm trying to wear? Do I want to be sexy or do I want to dress, you know, like, I don't know, I have the homie from San Francisco who wears the wide-legged pants and the kids <laughs> and the long socks. Y'all know exactly who I'm talking about, the rolled beanie. Like who do, like, what am I, you know? And like getting to like really break through the noise of like, I, I can't believe I'm not doing X, Y, and Z this way. And saying, actually, that's an homogenous story. Mm-hmm. And what's actually more important is who am I? What do I like? What parts are here and present for me to be with? And I feel like that just cuts, human design is such a powerful tool, uh, like a, it's a tool. It's a, it's a mythos building tool as Teo Matoya, my friend and partner likes to say it's that helps us to create new worlds and new realities with our presence, with our voices, with our creative work in the world. I just appreciate it so much for that reframing ability. You know, I love that too. And it's so wild that you have an open G center. I love folks that have open G center. Some of my clients do. And it's really fun from like a writing angle. I always try to encourage you guys because it's um, from a writing space. I'm so jealous of y'all because y'all are able to really um, 
channel lots of different identities. Obviously, that can be the challenge, of course. But from a writing perspective, being able to take on a number of different voices and identities, open G-centers can really write from a number of genres. They are not, they're the, they're the epitome of genre-bending writers. And y'all are excellent, like, screenwriters and all this kind of stuff because you can take on a variety of voices. The challenge is coming back to exactly what you're doing, which is holding that framework for yourself of who am I at the end of the day, after you write all these different voices, after you work with all these different people and space holder for them, who am I? Where am I? Am I in the room? (laughs) Like That's the challenge, but it's one of my favorites. Absolutely. I love that. I've never heard anybody reflect you know, open because mine is wide open, no hanging gates at all. Um, mm. And yeah, yeah, I feel like that tracks for me. Like, you know, I've been playing around with fiction and just mm. fantasizing about writing fiction for a really long time. But I started when I was like, you know, 11 or 12 years old. And I mm. remember writing this like chapter book. I had gotten like three chapters in and it was so real for me. Sometimes when I read fiction, like I feel like I am the characters that are at play and it can be a little bit like, woohoo, okay, let me get back into reality. Mm-hmm. But that's it's so fun. It's like theater, it's play, it's expression. And also my voice is still underneath there. So Thank you for calling that out and witnessing that. So many people have open G centers that I know, especially in my world. So yeah, I want to talk about, um, I want to come into this like world building aspect of story for a second, because now that I know that you're a manifesting generator, you've got all this energy. And for those of you who are like, what are y'all talking about? I have no clue. Manifesting generator, Gates, what is this like some cult that you guys are a part of? And I would say, no, although some parts of human design can get a little culty, so use your discernment. Yes. Uh, but it is basically like astrology times 10, right? And it like uses and weaves astrology, the I Ching, the Kabbalah, it's a beautiful system. You can go and find your chart on mybodygraph.com. But now that I know that you're a manifesting generator, you've got all this life force energy running through your veins. Um, <laughs> you, I think of you guys as like, you are, you quantize time and energy. So all the manifesting generators I've worked closely with have just come through and like basically aligned everything to the beat. And then things are just moving that much more quickly and that much more um, succinctly and just, yeah, just time just collapses basically when the manifesting generator is around. And I just find that to be such potent energy, especially when mangens are creatively inclined. And I'm curious how this shows up for you in your dreams and your vision and your modalities and your activities, your work. How does this come out for you? Oh my God. I love those conversations so much. And for all of you that <laughs> taste set or new, congratulations, welcome. Now you're going to be newly obsessed. It's so fun. Um, so yeah, I am a... Four six is my profile. So super opportunistic, love connecting, very friendly, very sociable. And the sixth part is the role model. So so I'm the you know opportunist slash role model man gen. And then I have the artist gate too. So technically I'm the creative role model. 
I, which when that, when I got that language around it, I just like cried. I still cry when I think about that because it validates something so important in me. Even more, the creative, the artist really resonates deeply. So how did it change? It's something that continues to change me, this acknowledgement of my design. Like we mentioned earlier about the negative beliefs that, you know, come from, you know, growing up in different places in our lives. I really fought against my nature that I love to create lots of different things. And I move really fast. Like it is not uncommon for an idea, an entire workshop to come to me and I build the whole thing out in a day. It's not hard. It literally is fast. And one of the things that I've had to consider and reflect on is that for folks that I want to work with, their process is going to be different than mine in terms of pace. And so considering how to hold that space across the board for folks that are more reflective and listening to energy. And then MG comes in, I'm just like, wow. And they're like, whoa, that was cool, but that's fast. Um, So really leaning into my giftings, my calling, but also being aware of others' energy too. And how do we dance together? How does that work? You know? Um, Oh, yes. (laughs) Right? Because that could be a little awkward, (laughs) you know? So really it comes back to that language we were using earlier, that listening. So one of the beautiful things about my journey is learning to listen to myself, trusting myself, trusting my impulse. And for instance, I have a number of workshops that are on my heart right now. I am currently writing two books. I am working one-on-one with multiple people. I'm doing a workshop, a group workshop, and I'm starting up a new one. This is normal for me. And I do human design. I do all the things. And the inclination that I have to really trust myself in is, is it okay for me to do all the things? Is it okay? Can I let myself? And I have to come back to that. I even had to do that this morning because I was like, I want to do this and I want to do this. And I was like, but what if people are going to be offended or like can't keep up or don't understand why I do all the things. And I have to just listen in of like, do I in my core want to make this happen? Like, is this something or am I being moved by pressure? And the reality is most of the pressure that's coming in isn't about what I'm producing. It's actually what I'm not producing. So really trusting that within myself, but it is hard. And I, again, I got really emotional about it even this morning of going like, can I let myself be too much or all these things. And I will let you know, you'll appreciate this. I have a lot of open centers, right? And one of them is the open hearts and completely open, no gates. And so with that, oh my gosh, it is literally when you have an open undefined space there, it is that question of, do I need to prove myself? Am I enough? And so that's one of those things I have to come back to myself going, is that why I'm not doing this or why I'm rushing into this or whatever, right? And returning back to that, that question for myself. So yeah, my human design is really informed and continues to inform so much about who I am and what I create and how I evolve. Um, let some things go. And as we mentioned earlier, let things be cyclical and let that be okay. Yeah, it's powerful. <laughs> that is so good. I love this. I love too, like just how, you know, I'm a two, four emotional projector mm. and I have 
you know, a defined route. So I feel like I'm a recovering, I think I'm a manifesting generator. I've got that <laughs> 54. Uh, I have the channel of um, trans, I think it's a channel of transmutation or transformation oh, yeah. or something like that that connects into the spleen. And so there's, I've got a lot of ambition and I'm always asking myself, is it okay that I like don't want to do all the things like physically in my body? My body's like, please slow down, please <laughs> do less. Your body's not wired for this kind of activity. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is kind of this sense of like, I'm wired to be a world builder. Mm-hmm. And like, how do I work with that? And you're right. It's like, it's like listening. How do we dance with each other? How do we how do we do this? Like I have the cross of rulership in my incarnation cross. Um, I have all of these aspects that I have two tribal channels, um, quite a few tribal gates. And I also have the 50, 5539, which is all about like provocation and like bringing this, you know, intensity into the collective, sort of poking through uh into the heart of the matter is how I feel it comes through me. And I, yeah, I just like in in full celebration that like my design is to dream big, but slow down. And yours is to like dream big (laughs) and speed up. (laughs) And that is good. That's, that's perfect. That's fine. There's no right way to go about this. Mm -hmm. And I believe that the sooner that we, you know, not to place an agenda on the collective, but I honestly think that when we all can get to the point where we are deeply accepting of the fact that we all are wired differently, mm-hmm. so much is going to shift in the collective. I mean, I already feel it when I encounter people who are like, I am in deep reverence and acceptance of how I am wired mm-hmm. and this is how I move and this is what I bring. That is world building like presence work because you are like when I think about your work and the massive amount of impact that you've had on women all around the world mm-hmm. who have encountered your work especially through for women who roar which mm-hmm. is how I discovered you <laughs> you were breaking through cultural norms in ways that I feel like at that time I hadn't mm-hmm. seen anybody um, really talking about this like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't seen anybody inviting people to really like own their stories of trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was really initiating for me to encounter your work in that way. Right? Oh. And mm-hmm. I believe that it was for a lot of people, hundreds of people, hundreds, hundreds of people, hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of people around the world, <laughs> truly like yeah. that, you know, that's your impact. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, there's so much that can be said about that, but just thank you for being you. Thank you for <laughs> listening to that voice inside of you that says, I have to do this. I have to show up to this specific activity and pour my heart and energy into it. And, and even if it, you know, even if it doesn't go on forever and ever and ever, and it isn't the machine that survives, you know, post-capitalism, late stage capitalism collapse, whatever we're going through right now. Um, right. Uh, it, it's not about can it survive? It's about is it bringing the medicine that is present for this time? Are you bringing mm-hmm. the medicine that is present for this time? And I really believe that you are. You're mm-hmm. you're listening. You're here. You're with it. And mm-hmm. I just appreciate you so much for that. 
Oh, man, I am just like going to be breathing that in today <laughs> and really, really just reflecting. Oh, man, the medicine. I'm going to be feeling that. And yeah, as you know, we were talking earlier about for women who were, and it's, um, yeah, I feel like I'm really deep in this listening stage to it. And, you know, like many creative journeys that we go on, much of the task is that work of listening to what is it asking of us? Where is it asking us to go? And <laughs> where is it asking us to return? And when we begin to listen to it, often it's places we avoid and don't want to. And that is the beautiful work that for Women Who Roar has really taken me on. And I can't believe it's been like, yeah, a long time, like six years or however long it's been. And I've seen, it's been so humbling, seeing so many um, really create the space for their voice um, when they felt like they didn't have it. And there's a lot of like platforms and magazines out there. But my goal always with For Women Who Roar was that anyone can be here as long as you want to be. Like really, um, you want to share your, you know, a video and a short poem you wrote? Like, let's do it, you know? Um, it's It's been um, a beautiful ride and also hmm, challenged me a lot to go to go deep within myself. And at times like anything, um, that risk is uh, one of avoidance. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm in an interesting place right now of where, where, um, it's inviting me to go, um, while also listening to, as we talked about earlier, the manifesting generator, this, um, I am building, right? So what is building upon that and where is it going next, right? And I, I, you know, when I branched off and started putting my energy towards a book here, it was because I wanted to see people really move into that next evolution of their writing. And I had so many that were coming to me like, I want to do this. And I was like, I really want to work with you in an intimate capacity. I don't want to be swallowed up by the masses. I don't want you to be. I want to really be in that deep intimate space and helping you carve out that. That was always my heart to be in those intimate corners with folks, whether in small group settings or one-on-one. And so that's how it evolved. That's how it kind of circled into that. But yeah, it's been, it's been a trip (laughs) to say the least. That's incredible. I, yeah, I'm just excited to see (laughs) what you'll build next, what you'll pull your energy into next. And, you know, just like having, getting having been getting to know you over this last mm-hmm. hour just a little bit more deeply, I know that it's going to be really impactful for people. Mm-hmm. And I trust that from you. And this mm-hmm. is what it means when you're just about being who you are, being in your medicine. I trust that whatever it is that you bring forward into the collective is going to serve, is going to change lives. Mm-hmm. Even if, if it comes just from, you know, your artist's heart, your artist's expression, it's abstract, whatever it is, mm-hmm. I have this deep trust that whatever you bring is going to be good. Mm-hmm. And I don't really, you know, I don't feel like I say that about everyone to that extent. I think everybody has the potential and the capacity, mm-hmm. but I really love it. I love seeing people who are just like, I'm just going to step outside and and try things 
and explore things. And, you know, if, if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And, you know, my only commitment is to this moment and to the integrity of why am I here? Mm. And I think that that is the most potent, most powerful thing that we can possibly be. I couldn't agree more. And that is the most risky too, right? Is showing up to that and letting ourselves be in that exploratory space, right? (laughs) We have no idea where we're going to go. And when we lean into that, there is a certain surrender of, of control. We just let it go. And I think it's often why we try to, you know, I don't know, anticipate every step in every direction, but so much going back to that conversation of flow versus force, so much of it is letting ourselves ride and and be taken by the by the journey, wherever it's gonna go, right? And that's a scary thing because we don't know what will be. But when we surrender to that, there's a open-handedness that happens um, that is uh, really healing and powerful to release rather than clench all the time. Oh, absolutely. 1000%. I'm here for that. Yeah. Just the risk Mm -hmm. of um, being malleable and the risk of being in a body. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. We just get to learn how to be gentle with ourselves, which is really what I believe trauma informed care and work Mm -hmm. is about. It's about unlearning sort of these like codes, these systems, these rules, these rituals that we learned Mm -hmm. in order to survive an industrialized society and say, well, actually the body is not wired for that. And there are other pathways into having our needs cared for and being able to show up to the moment and be connected and be accepted and be loved and belong and have our art circulated amongst our community members. There Mm -hmm. are other ways into that that don't include us sacrificing, you know, the truth of who we are mm-hmm. for the sake of that dream over there. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for sharing this with us and mm-hmm. for bringing your medicine to the podcast. I'd love to just take the few minutes, the next few minutes that we have is just explore what do you have coming up next? What are some <laughs> things that people can tune in to you on well, as I mentioned, there's always new things, right? <laughs> so I'm going to share it. And by the time, you know, this is shared with the world, it might be moved on from. So, but I'll let you know. Um, no, but one of the things that I, <laughs> that I always have going is um, one-on-one book coaching and editing. So I always have that available as, as there is room for it, right? So um, that's always the thing. You can always reach out to me for... Um, you know, a, a free call and we can chat about the book you're dreaming up and, and uh, see see how I can support your, your process. So I have a number of different ways I can support in that capacity. So that's always there. And I have a workshop coming up that I'm really excited about in uh, late October. And it is called The Art of Autofiction. And it's helping folks write their life story through a fictional lens going to be really fun and weird and amazing. <laughs> so that's happening. And then, um, and then I also have like one-off sessions that people can book with me around, you know, understanding their human design from a writer creative lens of course, and getting a clear book idea, publishing consultation, all those good things. So, um, I have a number of ways, like truly 
limitless opportunities. Just come reach out to me and, um, you know, check out, uh, you know, book a call with me, all these things. and, And we can chat about what would be a good fit. Absolutely love it. All these opportunities to connect with you, to be seen and Mm -hmm. elevated, initiated into the work. Yes. I'll make sure to put those links in the show notes so people can find you. Yes. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of which, where can people find you on Instagram? Can you share any, I know you have your book here. You have Megan February. We have uh, women who wore, where would you invite people to start first? Yeah, I'd start with my platform, Megan February. It's spelled F-E-B-U-A-R-Y. So it's spelled a little different. It's the way we want to spell it. <laughs> we always get in trouble. <laughs> it's a phonetic way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that's where I, I post so much there and so many writing tips and just about the writing journey and the whole process. So I definitely would start there. And then I would go to yourbookyear.com for all the things writing, coaching, support. And then um, I would go check out the For Women Who Roar platform. It's just powerful. It's inspiring. So much good stuff. So oh, much yeah. good stuff. So go check that out. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, just see what's happening there. Who knows, right? What Absolutely. Will, what will be. So it's, uh, it's a beautiful space. So yeah, I'd say check out all those things and that'd be a good place to start. Beautiful. We'll link them below. Thank you yeah. so much for joining us, Megan. This has been a beautiful conversation. Oh, it really has. Yeah, same to you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Regenerative Mystic Podcast. Your listenership means the world to us. So if you enjoyed today's episode, consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts and share with what resonated with you with friends. If you're curious about anything that we're doing here at Kin Spirit behind the scenes, feel free to join our journey over on Instagram at Kin Spirit or on our website at www.kinspirit.org. Thank you so much, friend. We'll see you next time.